This week's episode is brought to you by an actual thing this time. Uh, I recently started a podcast with my friend and comic-slash-impressionist Nick Kane called Bad Reading, where we get a guest who is obsessed with a book, movie, or TV show, and then we find the shittiest fan fiction and read it to them. And along the way, laughs and chuckles and screams and fuck yous are had. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening to me all this time, and I really think you'll enjoy it. Uh, if you want to hear more about it, there's more at the end of the episode, and uh, I will put links to it in the show notes. So thanks again for listening, and thanks for sticking uh, with us for this month, because holy shit, I, it was such a long recording process, and I'm just glad to be through it. Bad Reading Podcast. Bad fan fiction, good times. Hey everybody, welcome to Nexus at Night. Let's get this over with. Fine, fine. Okay, uh, so... <laughs> welcome to part four of our multi-part meta discussion of Doom. Yes, finally. I mean, for you guys, it'll just be, like, the end of November, so you're just like, all right, we're just doing stuff. <laughs> this, is the, this is the fourth in a four-episode recording session. Uh, at the time of doing this, it's about 7 p.m. We started at 4 p.m. So yeah. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm, uh, it's my first one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Skype yeah. has been going for two hours and 53 minutes. The, the magic, the magic of, of podcasting. The magic. Uh, well. Well, I think we're revealing too much here. We don't want we don't... <laughs> the magic of a of three pudgy guys talking about a children's card game. We're we're the best. Uh, anyway, I'm Atlas. <laughs> I'm Matt. I'm Rootbeer. I'm James. And uh, tying up our our episode about each imaginary gift, we're going to be talking about just what that means for the meta on the whole. Um, and we've touched on most of what we're going to be talking about in the previous episodes. But I think this will also serve as a way for someone to just kind of get all three episodes in one without listening to the whole thing. But I do recommend listening to the previous three just for the full... So this is the TLDR. The TLDR yeah. of the Except previous it's gonna three. it's going to be still kind of long, so that's fine. Yep, that'll that'll be good. Um, so, yeah, Excel, it's, Excel's doing great. Protect is not. Force is just kind of there. And uh, where does that leave us on the whole? That I mean, is too fast. That is too fast? Yeah, Excel is, too fast. is the best thing you can be doing. Mm -hmm. And then it's fake Excel, like Shadow Paladin. Yeah. And then it's... Yeah, it's like Excel, top, fake Excel, like Shadow Paladin. And then you start getting into the realm of decks that aren't completely unfair. So there's Force. And then you have Protect decks that want to be Force. And then you have Protect decks that play, like, protect decks at the beginning of the game, and those are just sad to look at. <laughs> but some protect decks are almost good. Oh, and yeah. they have Chronicle at the very bottom. <laughs> okay, so we don't really, we didn't talk about Nubatama that much, just because it's kind of an unknown, and Grand Blue is just dead. Haha. -ha. I can talk about Grand Blue really briefly. Grand Blue is essentially a, a protect deck that wants to be a force deck. Their new game plan is not so much, like, grind someone out or whatever. It's just to mill all of their deck, so they have all their finishers in their drop zone, then call all of them at once and kill you. That's pretty much what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. In in standard, Grand Blue never really loses to the opponent. It loses to itself. Yeah. Almost every game that I have played with Grand Blue, I've lost because the opponent just outlasted me and decked me out. Pretty much. That's Grand how I beat Grand Blue, generally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, the, thing, the, the, the funny thing, though, is has a, in this meta, it has a better game plan than most Protect decks to be honest. Or the classic Protect decks. What, meld themselves? Uh, no. Uh, assembled <laughs> all of their giant finishers really quickly. Oh, yeah. Hey, sometimes you just mill, like, a bunch of, uh, dra uh, Sea Dragons, or whatever the great two guy is. Skull Dragon? And, yeah, Skull Dragon. Well, it's, just it's, call two of them off Kokoidus. It's actually not about the Skull Dragon anymore. It's about the, um, the whale. For, oh, the whale. Uh, Yeah. The whale is, like, the, the power plus the critical just makes it so that, like, your opponent is at four damage. You're attacking them with three giant columns, all with a crit guaranteed. Nice. Yeah. Mm. And then, like, if they're at five damage, then, like, that's where you use uh, Fran, the Franny, or Frankenstein guy, yeah. or you use Skull Dragon. And since, like, since you milled pretty much your entire deck, uh, you're going to have the Frankenstein when you need it. Not having, um, 
uh, like an extra crit on their on their monster is like kind of unfortunate. Yeah, considering a lot of the other similar cards do. Yeah, if they had it on Frankenstein, it'd be actually like really good. Yeah. Uh, it also doesn't gain as much power as the other ones, but it can be unguardable. Yeah. Oh, Flanner. Okay, uh, so yeah, that's Grand Blue in a nutshell. Yeah. So we end in this place where Excel is incredibly dominant, and the next best deck, like the three best decks, like like we mentioned, were Murkumo, Pale Moon, and Shadow Paladin. And there's kind of just like, 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 where do you possibly go from here? Like, are you is Bushiroad's plan to make hits that reduce the prominence of these decks, like bans, mm-hmm. or do they plan to print support that make somehow makes this worse? Um, like, what would that support even look like at that point? So like, it looked. I, I was going to say, there's two ways to do it. You can do positive balancing, which is by printing new support that devalues older stuff. Or you can do negative balancing, which is through the use of the ban list. Are we due for another one soon? Ban list? I don't know. Yeah. I guess we, first we should talk about like what we would do to try to fix the current meta without banning things. And then we can kind of lead into like what we would ban if we had to resort to it. Okay. Um, James, were you going to say something? I cut you off there. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say, like, uh, I don't know if, like, you know, it, I think printing support for other clans to be good against uh, the current deck is going to be a bit rough. I think maybe, like, a mechanic change or addition of mechanic, like we talked a bit before about, like, the introduction of G cards still on the meta, uh, might be necessary at this point. Um, also, I'm not a super big fan of, like, printing new cards that devalue old cards, especially since that's what they kind of did with Protect. They printed all these things that stopped intercepts and stops sentinels that it just kind of, like, ruined the general mechanic of the decks. Yeah. So I'm going to call, like, changing the mechanics of the game neutral balancing just for a shorthand. Okay. So positive balancing is new cards, negative balancing is banning stuff, and neutral balancing is changing the rules of the game. Um, so why don't we start with positive balancing in order to slow down this fucking mile a minute meta hooray for alliteration uh, what do you think they would have to print for before sorry before we uh, talk about like uh, this stuff I think we should probably establish when games usually end at this point to show how fast it currently is turn four or five second grade three right turn generally yeah Mm-hmm. I, I see that too. So the only way it could possibly go faster if it goes to the first grade three turn. Essentially, what we had back in Stride era or G era, where it was whoever strode first just won. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're so back. Yeah, we're yeah. almost there in premium. Like, well, sometimes that would make games take longer because it was like a controllable thing of when your opponent could start striding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's, it's uh, if you don't ride as fast as your opponent, you're just gonna lose horribly. Yep. <laughs> Yep. I'm saying at the time it was vaguely controllable. Yeah. Uh, okay, so positive changes. Yeah. So positive <sighs> balancing, uh, you would have to find a way to slow the game down by adding more cards, which is I mean, hard. The problem is, like, right now, Murakumo and Pale Moon can just kind of set up a board. We'd have to do something that could interact during the opponent's main phase, I would think. I think... Which I think gets into some very... Yeah, I think we should, like... Think about the, the key points that make the top decks just so strong. Mm-hmm. I think for Murakumo, it's uh, part of it is just, or the most oppressive part, I think, for Murakumo, is just the board wipe. Yes. It's just really oppressive. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. Pale Moon, I think it's just the the sheer card advantage and consistency they have and constant mm-hmm. pressure that is their strongest point. Uh, and then Shadow Paladin, they just. Consistency. Yeah, consistent hitting for big numbers and multi-attacking. Yeah, so, like, I think the biggest thing is, like, all these... Because Vanguard isn't a particularly interactive game, like, we talked about having guard circle effects, but honestly, like, having a Denial Griffin wouldn't really slow down any of the top decks. Like, it might hurt Shadow Paladin just because they have to restand those Blaster Darks, but... Like, Murakumo and Pale Moon can just refill their board the next turn. It's not really that big a deal. 
Well, yeah. uh, I think Kumo, depending on how much you retire, might have mm-hmm. a hard, harder time with that. But the big thing with Kumo is, even if you have a Nile Griffin like effect, if your opponent just uses you and mm-hmm. just you like that, it kind of makes up for it. Yeah. So, I think to deal with Murakumo, you would have to have some way of replenishing your board, which just kind of goes back to like decks needing advantage. Well, that's and, what's hap- happening in G era, right? Like, mm-hmm. pe- people would just fill their board with like one stride. Like, yeah. I cannot count the number of times I've seen a gold paladin player with like nothing in play and just end up with a whole board. Yeah. Yeah. And then, or you would just have like restanders and stuff that could make pressure on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, what's back row? Who needs that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one way to kind of, I guess we kind of like talking about like one way that can counter like say Murakumo playing Yuga is to make like a quick, you know, replenishing board kind of thing, but that ends up possibly mm-hmm. leading to other problems. Yeah, then I guess another counter would be like another Promise Daughter situation where it just can't be bounced. So some decks can just maintain their board in the face of Yuga, but that kind of has its own balancing problems. Like, okay, so you have a deck with, like, persistent rear guards. How do you deal with them? Well, you could should be able to still attack it. But yeah. the thing is, like, I think the, the, the bigger thing is how do you balance that card in terms of its other effects? Yeah. Because it's like, just vanilla and has that skill, it's not going to do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, other than that, it would probably just have to be Bushiro's usual approach to things where they just don't give certain decks good support and overbalance other decks. The thing with like overbalancing other decks is how would they do it in a way that doesn't speed up the meta even faster? Yeah, that's true. I'm not even sure how that happens, to be honest. I I can think of like well very like few like edge cases that maybe they could. I mean, the only mm-hmm. time the meta's been slowed down at any point is with, I guess, G-Guards. Yeah. And, or not even the first G-Guards, but, like, the really big ones. Yeah. That made it, like, yeah. harder to necessarily kill on your first stride. I have... I have uh, an idea. So, I brought this up when people were like, hey, man, Link Joker's gonna be a force plan, and deleters are coming first. So, the idea was it would delete imaginary gifts as the skill. And there are there are no ways to get rid of an imaginary gift once you get it. Mm. Something tells me in the future at some point somebody will get the ability to get rid of or sacrifice imaginary gifts for something. If you did that, you would find a way to like mess with the opponent in a different way than they normally would. And the problem would... is like that works for that works for Force especially, just because they tend to stack their gifts. And then, like, Excel, the biggest benefit from that is you can draw the card and get it early. So it leads into the same problem where by the time you get that going, the deck would have already done what it wanted to do. So you'd have to be able to disrupt them on their turn. I would like to, I would like to kind of give, like, a slight counter-argument to that. Uh, particularly okay. if you're giving this kind of skill not to a force or excel deck but a protect deck if mm-hmm. you can like keep their extra excel circles at bay it makes the value of your pgs way higher mm-hmm. like it's, and if you do this like say pale moon and you remove their circles it means they get less value off lukie and if you get less value off lukie that means you're also getting less value off dorian because you can't draw as many cards off dorian on top of that um if you look at kumo kumo can hit for like super high numbers but if they only still have three attacks, they're just essentially a force deck. Now, th- or like old school force deck. This doesn't quite solve the problem of Huga, but it does solve the problem, kind of help the problem of them just killing you really quickly. Um, another thing is that if the idea is if you kill like an Excel gift with something on it, it would get retired. So you're getting rid of two two problems mm. at once. Uh, at least in okay. my head. Now, I'm not saying you give this to every clan. I'm saying you would probably have to specialize it to one or two. And it would have to be a very expensive skill to do. Uh, another problem... Yeah, what? Do you consider... This, like, actively hurts new mechanics to printing now. Like, let's say this existed, right? Yeah. Then, mm-hmm. like, Genesis would have to maybe even create an extra force gift, which could, you know... I don't know if that's, like, relevant how slow, how slow or fast it makes it, but, like, now it'd be, like, six, because, like, they could blow it up. Yeah. Um, you Definitely not on on 
you know, the opponent's turn. That would be way too crazy. But, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like, just to do that, maybe it would be something like you sacrifice one of your own gifts to get rid of the opponent's. That would be interesting. Maybe. Like, discard a protect gift, blow up theirs. Or whatever. Um, that might be, like, slow to start, and I'm not really sure what clan you could fit it into, because as we all know, Boucherode fucking loves them, the aesthetic design fitting in with the card effects. So I'm not sure who you would give it to. It would make the most sense for something like Kagero or Deleters Link, or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like Kagero or Link Joker. Aesthetically, those would be the ones to get it. But mm-hmm. I feel like, game-wise, we need to give that to Protect. Um, Pro- yeah. Protect is the one that benefits the most from a drawn-out game anyway. And right now, they're currently the slowest deck. Yeah. Yes. And I kind of want to talk about uh, a card that I wanted to talk about on the podcast, but I was busy that day. Uh, Ergodil from the new Angel set. Yep. Now, Ergodil is a card that I'm like... It, it doesn't do enough. Did, I you, think that did, er- did you listen to our uh, set review? For that episode? I listened to the early parts, at least about Urgadil. Okay, so okay. I think that Urgadil is um, it, it's a card that doesn't quite do enough. I think that against the meta decks, even if you didn't give your opponent two counter blasts, it still wouldn't do enough. Because I was like playtesting this a lot against Murkumo because I have a Murkumo friend who uh, goes to UCR, but he lives nearby where I am, so I sometimes play with him on the weekend. Um. Even turns where I, every single grade 3 turn, I'm able to ride onto Urgadil and remove two cards, even if he didn't have any face-down counterblast. I still lost. Because I couldn't outvalue his Shuyuki. I couldn't outvalue his calling aboard. And I couldn't out... Uh, his calling aboard from his deck. And I couldn't outvalue just the sheer amount of pressure he can put on me with all those high numbers. So even that's not enough. Mm-hmm. But I think Urgadil is a very... Design-wise, not necessarily balance-wise, but design-wise, I think Urgadil is a very good idea. Because it's something, it's a skill that is not meant to shut down an opponent, but it's meant to slow down the opponent. I haven't tested Urgadil versus non-meta decks, but I think that maybe versus non-meta decks, it might actually be pretty good at slowing people down. Like against DP being able to remove two rear guards just like that, uh, even if you give them counterblast, might be like very useful to do. So it's just not effective enough against the top tier decks. So I think um, they should try and introduce mechanics that are, like, they slow down the building of a board, maybe. Or set back a building of a board without being, like, super oppressive. Mm-hmm. Especially since a lot of the problems decks right now tend to, like, call a board larger than five regards. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I think, like, maybe, like... Uh, if we were doing something that like had heavy control or something like that, making me maybe a call, this might be too oppressive, but something that's like your opponent can only call three rear guards this turn or something, mm-hmm. or maybe like an auto during your opponent's turn. If your opponent calls three or more rear guards, choose one of your opponent's rear guards and retire it. Mm-hmm. Okay, like we've already made our stances on this particular mechanic clear, but what if we brought lock back in the face of the current meta? Uh, Hell no. Now, if I think they would have had to have redesigned Locke from the ground up if they were to do that. Um, mm-hmm. What if you could only? What if you could only lock a rear guard once? What do you mean? Like, so if you lock a rear guard, you can no longer lock it again. Well, the problem it, it that'd be hard to police. That's what I'm if, saying. Like, maybe you put a counter on it or something. Again, uh, hard to police. And also, yeah, because then you get into things. You put gauges on cards. Why can't you put counters on cards? Well, yeah, but gauges well, come from your deck. We get into things like call, yeah. yeah, and then we also get into things like calling over the card or retiring it or bouncing it to hand and calling it back. Yeah, it so seems like you, that's very easy to circumvent. But I mean, if I, I think like if you could somehow police it, I think it may be a good idea because you can like stop their offense for a turn, but you can't permanently stop it. One thing mm-hmm. that Bushiroad has said about Vanguard is that they wanted it to be completely self-contained. That's why you have the damage system being the way it is. Instead of having, like, a counter like you do in Buddy Fight, or, you know, Magic or any other TCG, it's your deck is your damage, your deck is your equip gauges. Like, imagine... That's that's why they didn't want uh, tokens for a long time, too. Yeah. But now they have tokens. Well, that's because they finally went, "Ah, fine, imaginary gifts. You know? Why don't they just... (laughs) 
Why don't they just print oh lock tokens? Well, once they printed imaginary gifts, it was really hard to not print tokens. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it was good that they did that. It opened up a lot more design space. But But then, like, couldn't you print, like, a a lock token representing this card has been locked? I suppose you could. Uh, Or a locked marker. But I'm I'm not sure what you do about Messiah, where the whole thing is, like, using locks for advantage. Like, you lock a card, draw a card, or... Only like, it could be like only for the cards that lock opponents' cards. Because mm. um, the stops are offense for a turn, so they can still play around it. I you just have to wait a turn or so. One thing you could do is uh, have it lock circles. So you pick that circle, and the next time something's there, <laughs> gets locked. So it maybe sl- slows them down. Like, that was true. another thing I was thinking of: is just blocking off circles. Yeah, well, you- not blocking off circles, but like it'll block it off. On the first time it's called on, for the first time that rearguard is there, but then mm-hmm. it'll unlock and won't lock again until you call something else there. I think that's like not bad. It's kind of like yeah. a, it's kind of like a, what was it? Dark faces skill. Kind yeah, of, you know what I mean. That, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, actually, I think that's a great idea for slowing down the meta. It's having a dark face like skill. Um, yeah, that's that, another that's one. That's something I've been championing, championing for a long time. Is picking a circle and the next time something is there, it's rested. I call it kneecapping. Maybe I don't think they would make it just pick that circle, but maybe like make it like a dark base skill. It's an auto yeah, like, and choose what to use it and maybe make it play uh, use a cost. That wouldn't be too bad. Um yeah. mm-hmm. but that Actually, would also like be that. Link Joker only and from the force side rather than the protect side. I mean technically dark fa- it's a dark face. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> that would be mega colony. For mega colony it would be that. I'm talking about the lock part, like if you choose it and then they then it gets locked once it's put there. Something like that. Um sure. yeah. I mean uh, I think that affects translated pretty easily over to uh, Meg Colony too. Yeah. But that's definitely a one way like we can make a deck. We can make a deck that slows the meta. It wouldn't yeah. fix all protect decks because aesthetics, mm-hmm. but I think that's a good idea. Or like another Gridora skill in uh, Mega Colony as well. Oh man, I was wishing that the Angel Feather card would put things in face down, but no. Yeah, yeah. that would be pretty nuts. The I, I think if it's slow enough, it would actually be fine. It slows down early game plays anyway, but it might be too aggressive. I don't know. Would a Holland, would a Honolly type card be effective? Where like if they call more than two rear guards a turn, they have to counter blast. Yes, I think yes. Honolly is a is a very fun card to experiment with in premium, where any deck that like obviously mm-hmm. not everything can use it because if a, a deck has removal, it just becomes moot. But decks that yeah. can call it on the opponent's turn. Magia, uh, Great Nature especially, because you can just call it from hand, uh, or things that can protect it, can really fuck with decks that have to uh, counterblast to attack. Now, if your mm-hmm. name is Neonectar and you don't counterblast for anything anyway, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess it's a Hanali type card would be just... Wait, what number do you think would be good for a Hanali where like, it would be effective, but not so ridiculous that it kind of becomes oppressive? Saying three. that three, so if they try, if they call more than three cards in a turn, then they have to start counter blasting from yeah. the fourth one up. Yeah, because I'm kind of thinking about you know like uh, Pale Moon Silverthorn, because you don't want Lukiate to become useless because she already costs two counter blasts. Yeah, so at least getting three cards off of her is like not very good, but it's like decent. Yeah, Pale Moon yeah, also doesn't have. I think that have... sounds reasonable. Pale Moon also doesn't have removal in standard. Oh wait, no, yes, they mm-hmm. do. Tricky Assistant. I'm dumb. Uh. But yeah, yeah it, it it would be interesting to find ways to slow it down mm-hmm. in that respect. Um, I think another way you could do that Hanali skill is rather than force them to start counterblasting, force them to have to rest a different unit in order for a, a, a unit to attack. So well, from like from fo- column, right? kind of yeah. So from the fourth battle onward, in order for something to attack, something else also has to rest. So your back row basically becomes useless now. And you're like, all right, these three can attack, and then everything on my Excel circles, I gotta start resting back row in order to do that. Guys, I just realized something. We're talking about floodgates now. We've become Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what's your opinion of floodgates, like in Magic? Uh, and uh, so floodgates are things that like what stop like a bunch of shit from happening somehow. Yeah, like skill drain or or Probably. is it more like? Like, like, what do you, like, I, I'm not familiar with quite the Yu-Gi-Oh terminology here. Oh, no, I was so, more uh, talking about, like, in Magic. How does it work in Magic compared to... Wait, wait, no, what I'm saying, like... Well, you know what I'm... floodgates are. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. So floodgates are, yeah. It's, it's kind of like where you're going with it. Floodgates are cards that essentially, like, 
uh, essentially like they're they're cards that just stick around, so like continuous effects that just kind of like shut down a part of your deck. So for example, like Skill Drain is a floodgate because it stops all your monster effects. Or like Macrocosmos. Yeah, Vanity's Emptiness is the most infamous example because mm. uh, it shuts down special summoning. Uh, like Jin, uh, Jin Lock prevents uh, extra deck. Yeah. Oh, no, no, Jin Lock. Oh, it's Jin, a, that Jin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jin Lock. Those are all examples of floodgates. And you know, like Anti-Spell Fragrance is also a, a floodgate. Pretty much right. a continuous effect that blanket stops a certain other effect. I've only stop helped people, people test for Yu-Gi-Oh! events, so the only things I know are like... Uh, I don't know the terminology, I just know how to play like Pepe and my own clothes <laughs> and shit. So that's all, that's all I know about Yu-Gi-Oh! Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so I understand what you're saying. Uh, Magic has a ton of that shit. But in Magic, like, also, there, there's like mana costs that kind of like dictate when they can happen. Like, for example, one of like the most ancient of these is one a card called Humility. And it makes all creatures one ones with no abilities. Every mm. single one, including yours, whatever. Cares. Is it like continuous? So every time it someone just, plays, it's an creature. enchantment. <laughs> so every creature that enters play is now one with no abilities. <laughs> but like, how much does it cost? It's four mana. Not terrible. Yeah, it's called humility, and they made another one that's uh, this. It, call, it costs eight, but it's only your opponent shit is one ones. Your all your shit's the same as before. But it costs twice as much. But, like, there's some, like, weird ruling shit that goes on, too, with this that people do. But, uh, uh, like, Magic has, like, plenty of these cards. Like, Rest in Peace is a card for one, uh, two mana that uh, makes it so that it exiles all graveyards. And makes it so that anything that would be put in a graveyard is exiled instead. Or, like, banished. So it's Macrocosmos. It's Macrocosmos for two mana. And for both. And it's for everyone, of course. Yeah. But Macrocosmos, you can, like, essentially play, quote-unquote, turn one. Yeah, but you can also warn Macrocosmos, so, you know, whatever. That's true. Because <laughs> it tries to special summon that fucking idiot that nobody plays. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, uh, so so those, those are examples... They're, they're much more balanced in Magic than they are in most other games because of the cost requirement. Like, that, that kind of, like, says, hey, you can't play this before turn X. Also, color requirement, also. Right, also color requirement matters, too. Like, Rest in Peace being white is actually really important. Because it's actually a big deal on why people want to play white, is that they get access to this card. White is, like, lacking in other areas, like, in terms of, like, offense and stuff like that. Yeah, white kind of does everything, but kind of does everything poorly. So, you kind (laughs) of... Except it's really good at killing all creatures, but not good at killing specific creatures. (laughs) But, like, the few specific creature-killing cards they have are, like... Pretty good. Like, yeah. Exile a single Path card. Path to exile, swords to plowshares. Yeah. Just a bit. One mana kill a guy is like pretty good. I mean, your opponent gets something out of it, but who cares, right? Life doesn't. Life doesn't matter. Well, path to exile gives him a land, which actually can matter. Oh right. Well, oh, I think there's swords to plowshares. Yeah, swords to plowshares just gives him life, and nobody cares. Okay. But so yeah. those those are examples of like positive balancing that Bushiro could do. Um, now. Mm. What about negative balancing? What do you yeah, think like, they would have to hit? Oh man, we get to think of balancing from Bushiroad's point of view. Okay. Like you can pick A or B. Try to oh. try to pretend Bushiroad's not stupid. Uh, <laughs> let's say Alvin does go up there with a shotgun and says, "You're gonna do it my way," <laughs> and they listen to him for whatever reason. Well, I have a question, real fast. Do you guys think the the whole Bermuda restriction completely killed the deck, or does no one just want to play it? I think the decks. Almost, I think the deck's like okay. It's not yeah. awful. The it's deck is significantly play. weaker because, ne- like, you still have the consistency, but you don't have the speed anymore. Yeah, I'm actually kind of a fan of this way of balancing compared to Yu-Gi-Oh. That just like straight up ban stuff that doesn't need to be banned, mm-hmm. or ban like n- a part of a problem combo, but not quite the problem card. I like this whole a choose pick A or B situation actually yeah the, it's, it's one they've used in weiss for a long time and i've always enjoyed it it, it also like gives people like, like ability to build like weird different decks yeah i yeah. love this kind of balance so, uh, like, like like what they did with shiranui rene and jamie okondo that was definitely interesting for premium because it's either you do shiranui rene which is a very good stride or you get the consistent they're gonna drop it to six or four every turn yeah it's like for you they ban something and it just like completely destroys some decks and now you have a choice to make mm-hmm so, yeah, back to um, what we would ban or how we would restrict things. 
Hmm. I would say a very clear one, if you want, wanted to hit Pale Moon, is like some kind of limitation on the number of Dorian or Lukia you can run. Because mm-hmm. those two, I believe, those two together are the real big problems of the deck. It turns out hard. I am going to recuse myself because I have such a personal stake in Pale Moon. <laughs> and I can't really accurately assess what would be needed to balance it. I love Silverthorn. I love this new playstyle, Silverthorn, because I like grindy, hard advantage focused decks, but, like, come on. This is clearly ridiculous. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The obvious idea would be put Lutier to 2 and put Dorian to not 4. Um, but that, that would kind of fuck everything up. I think we have to find... I think we should find a way to keep Lutier at 4, because she is, like... The key piece, absolute key piece of the deck. So some kind of limitation on Dorian, and maybe like, maybe like a limitation on Lillian to make it harder to get the Dorian. Hmm. I I guess if we were going with our earlier idea, like one or the other. That would be kind of nuts. Like, uh, you don't. What would you run instead in standard? Yeah. Uh, probably run Golden Beast Tamer and try and kill them quickly. Yeah, because um, like Gold, Golden Beast Tamer, like I, I'm actually like uh, supporting your idea, Atlas. Golden Beast Tamer plus Breathing Dragon seems like a pretty disgusting combo. Fucking told you, yeah. bitch. Yeah, I mean <laughs> well, that requires using Breathing Dragon's ability, though. There is hey, nothing wrong with that. But if you don't I have never. Dorian, you don't find Dorian in the first place. And there's no point of sitting on Lukia the whole time. I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, just Soul Charge Dorian. Yeah. No, if you straight up don't have Dorian anymore. Oh, it's right, like right. One or the yeah. other. Oh, yeah, that'd be really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you'd have right. to do that. You that would have a choice. That would also, like, it It definitely hits the deck, but I think it, it it's in a precarious position where it. Yeah, it might overkill the deck. I think if you, like, it. put Dorian to one, it might be really funny. Well, I mean, Atlas already runs Dorian. Not, I, yeah, I was. Well, it doesn't affect Atlas, but it affects literally everybody else. So you know. Um, I think if you're going to. What do about that, the card that searches Dorian? If you made Lillian. that mutually, Lillian. you would have you would have to cut Lillian to two or three. I think just to make it a tad less consistent, because searching for a specific card is very powerful. I mean, yes. I, you, I would just take it on damage on, like, the first damage every game, so... Bar- Barber's Law, man, it, it's yeah. a thing. <laughs> right. Like, what if they made it so that you can only choose between, like, Lillian and Dorian? Like, what would you choose then? Ah, that's interesting. Dorian. I mm. pick Dorian, hands down. Mm. I would... Because the thing is, Lillian... If if you can never use Lillian's search skill, you would not use it. You would save that counterblast for something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you already have the Dorian in it, and, like, because of Dorian's draw power, plus, uh, you know, Romy and Irina getting you a bunch of soul charges, pretty good chance you're going to find what you need anyway without using Lillian's skill. I played many uh, games where uh, I never used Lillian's skill, even though I had her pretty early. The biggest thing, like, um, at the point, the big thing is just the whole 19k attacker thing, which is actually a pretty big deal. It but is. there are at least some, like, Kind of somewhat decent replacement, not really. Actually, no. There's there's no good actual Silverthorn replacement for that. Um, it, it also uh, fucks with your consistency of things wanting four or more Silverthorns with, with different names. Yeah. Uh, if you got to pick one or the other. Now, granted, one of those was Lillian herself, so that's less of a problem. But uh, Breathing Dragon's consistency goes down by having four not Silverthorn cards. Oh, I, the, I, Irina also for the top three. And, yeah, and the grade two with the uh, with the guard circle skill, if you choose to run her. Shayna, I use her. I use her in, or Shayna. I use her in premium as a one of. I think um, she's not like terrible. She's hmm. like okay. Yeah, she's fine. Um, so oh, I, what about yeah, her? I think the like choose Dorian or Lillian that would hurt the deck, but I think like it wouldn't kill it. But I think it's like picking Dorian is the is usually the actually no, it's actually a pretty good idea because you lose a lot of offense if you lose Lillian unless you. Or you lose a lot of the consistency in your offense if you lose Lillian. So that might actually be decent. All right. So it would be like uh, lose a lot in a Sonata. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if like you? What if it's like you can choose A or B, but if you choose Dorian, you can only run her at two. That'd be crazy and also hard to explain to people. Yeah. I guess it would just be like both. Like Dorian is knocked down to two in general, and then also you can't have them in the same deck. Yeah, I think that might actually be pretty good. 
just lowers overall consistency of getting the insane draw engine. Because, yeah. like, once you have the Dorian Lukier, the engine just keeps running. Yep. All right. What about Murakumo? What would you do? I would probably well, make Hyuga and Shiryuki mutually exclusive at the very least. Yeah, that seems to be the general uh, thing. Is like you choose either Hyuga or Shiryuki. And obviously pick Hyuga, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, think, but like, I think, like... I think even then, I think Hyuga's skill is just a bit too oppressive against many decks. Yeah. I think... So I think weakening any defensive capability is probably what you want to do. Yeah. I think maybe, like, you choose that or, uh, choose that or, uh, Shuyuki, or you choose, um, or maybe you choose, like, Hyuga or One-Eye. Mm. Oh, Nudo? Yeah, you could do that, too. Nudo? Yeah, to prevent yeah. the consistent grade three in yeah. the... Soul. In the soul. That that's also like a uh, an innocuous way to like people wouldn't really get up in arms if they're like, man, I can't run this rare anymore. <laughs> like one thing yeah, that people true. get pissed about is like when their high rarity expensive cards get hit. That's very annoying for a lot of people. Now, if you hit a rare, mm-hmm. what, what fucking it's common box. It's fine. Or what about like one eye? What do you think, man? One eye or Hiyaki? Uh, which which would you hit with? With uh, what's or the like if, if 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 it was like an A or B, you could choose either Hiaki or One Eye. Hiaki makes really powerful boards, but One Eye does something that like, like if you only have Hyuga in your hand, right? You need One Eye to like guarantee a board wipe, which I think is more valuable than Counterblast One discard a card plus 10k to your board. Uh, I, I only wanna... because uh, there's a ra- there's a ra- a giftless Grade Three that kind of does almost the same thing. I kind of want to, like, you know, kind of hit the, the powers level, the powers they can make. But the problem with the hard part about hitting it, the banlist, is that they have so many redundant cards that give you more power. Yep, sure mm-hmm. do. You have to hit multiple of them. So yeah. maybe something like you can either choose, like, Hiyaki or the Grade 1 promo. What, oh, the Grade 2 promo, you mean? Or Grade 2. Or gra- the Grade 2 promo and, like, the Grade 3 that passively gives your board 5k. Mm-hmm. So it limits the number of power things. I think so, you're better off with the restriction of Shiryuki versus uh, Hyuga. What about we do both? Do you oh think God. You don't need to do both. Do you think, you you think the deck is strong enough to do both? I, I no, honestly not sure. I, I think Hyuga's uh, war wipe skill is very oppressive versus some decks mechanically. But I think that just those big power columns is just enough to kill most decks. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. I feel like you need to kind of hit both at the same time. So, what about Shadow Paladin, then? Um, cut Blaster, uh, Blaster Dark to two. There you go. Oh, that's... I uh... don't think you need to really do anything about Shadow Paladin. Yeah. You don't think <laughs> it... You want to hear something funny? What? A or B? Mordred or Blaster Dark? <laughs> that's just cruel. <laughs> that doesn't do... Alright, anyway. No, you, you, you have to include... The, the best card in Shadow Paladin is Danger Lunge, so you'd have to do something about that. Have you guys ever seen a 91k Danger Lunge? Yes. <laughs> Did you die to it? I was not I was not the uh, the recipient oh, okay. of that attack. I was watching it happen, but it's very scary. Oh, and, Did and the person die to it? it, though? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what are you at, four? They're like, yeah, and you're like, uh, not, a Danger Lunge attack you uh, with crit. Also, you can't garbage Sentinels, and they're like, huh. Okay, so what about, like, it's Danger Lunge? As A, and B would be a card that adds consistency to Blaster Dark. Masquerade. Which one? Grade 2. I don't know. Grade 2. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? Um, uh, I don't know. Well, it's either you, you have early game or you have late game. That would be... That's pretty much what it is. Uh, I think that would be a good way to do it. I don't think Shadow Paladin is oppressive enough for it to... Uh, well, it doesn't feel like, as bad, that's for sure. Yeah. I think the deck is... Yeah. So, it seems like we'd have to focus on Pale Moon and Murakumo, and then it would bring everything else up just enough for the meta to feel fair again. Possibly. I mean, if you make Narukami a better player, that is almost a hard counter to to Shadow Paladin, because they have no way to bring back a bound Blaster Dark. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think that this meta might not be too bad. Honestly... It feels bad for Protect, that's the only thing. Yeah. I think overall it's a pretty varied meta. Like, that pie chart had some large chunks in it. It wasn't like a, you know... We had, there's three huge decks, and then there's, like, a bunch of tiny ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, I do think there's a gap there. 
And, yeah. like, I don't think the goal is to, like, completely make these decks unplayable. Like, it's, like, to shorten that gap. Yes. And that's, like, not clear on what exactly you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think anything you do to, like, especially, like, the synergy-based decks, like, uh, Pale Moon, is it's really hard to make a hit on Pale Moon that doesn't completely destroy the deck. I, I, that's why I'm saying, I think it just really needs to be, like, hitting the consistency a bit and the draw power a bit. But, yeah. like, you would still have a lot of your big plays, and you still have your combo. It's just you're less likely to get it. Mm-hmm. But like Marcomo, man, that shit does just everything. Yeah, and there's like yeah. a quite a few redundant pieces. Yeah, that's why I, I, I'm like advocate of that that double hit or the mm-hmm. double A or B. I think the Hugo uh, Shiryuki one is the easiest one to implement without pissing a bunch of people off. Um, I guess, but the, but that's the waifu in Murakumo, man. God damn it! What? Well, no, that's the heel trigger, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. So we we've talked uh, positive balancing and negative balancing. What about neutral balancing? What, I mean, what they have to change we, the rules of the game. What's uh? What I mean, we kind of got into that with positive balancing with the idea of like protect trying to three. cut off. <laughs> oh, what would protect three be though? Oh, I don't know. Uh, if you remember from the protect episode three weeks ago, it would have been what the fifteen k shield is your marker. Or mm-hmm. just change Protect 2 to give Intercept to the actual thing, and when you Intercept with it, it goes back to your hand. Yeah. Like, I like that idea. That's a sweet idea. I like that idea, too. Uh... But it needs to actually give Intercept, first of all. Yes, please. I, I think they just forgot. Honestly, like, all signs seem to point to the fact that they forgot. Yeah. The other reason why I think maybe they didn't forget is because they were like, oh, this might be too strong, so we want you to be able to hit those rear guards. But, uh, yeah, definitely I guess... designed around that. I mean, uh-huh. the problem is the rear guards can just die. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe instead of bouncing the hand, maybe when they die, you draw a card. That might be too strong, though. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about some decks. Well, maybe, but you know, some decks might deck out if that happens. Yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of what oh, I was thinking. True. Yeah. I just, I want some way to get value out of the intercept where you don't feel like you're lose just losing out on the rear guard because that's why a lot of people don't intercept now. Is like, well, I'm not going to intercept with this card. I need it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what if the protect two gets whatever intercepts from it draws a card? We just said that. Yeah, oh. I just said. That. Uh, my concern was like, that some some con- clans might be uh, afraid yeah. to deck out in that kind of situation. It cut, <laughs> it, it cut out on this end. Sorry. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I, I remember something we talked about earlier. Why not just make the protect gift uh, a Shiryuki like effect? Hmm. Where it like permanently lowers it for that bat for the turn. Yeah. That would be good. Like. I feel like Protect needs some sort of disruption now with the way they've increased the pace of the game because, like we've said, it's very hard to slow down the pace of the meta without a combination of, like, pop. You kind of need a combination of all three. Where like, you'd need to give Protect newer, better cards. You'd have to kind of bring Excel down a bit, and then you'd have to kind of even out the support so that you don't increase the pace of the meta so. Oh, ridiculously back into the other direction. I, uh, one thing I want to add, I think that uh, a lot of the ideas we had for the first mm-hmm. part in terms of positive effects, we could actually make them like kind of like protect gifts and kind of universal effects. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, like, you know, uh, like during your opponent's main phase or whatever, you can discard this protect rear or whatever and rest two of your opponent's rear guards in the back row or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or, uh, or rest two of your like two of your opponent's units, but you have to like start with the back row. But if they run out of back row, then you can start using the front row. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like or- because of that, we were, t- we were having the problem of some of these effects seem to clearly belong to one clan. But if we mm-hmm. make it a protect, it would affect all of them. Mm-hmm. Or how about some sort of like Valeos type of effect where like you're. A continuous skill that your opponent's front row is locked to a certain power level. Hmm. That seems like that completely stops Force One, so I don't like that idea. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Or something that, like, permanently increases your vanguard's power for their battle phase for some sort of cost. Oh, can I get another, can I get another broken heart? <laughs> I mean, Leave. goddamn broken heart. Uh, they kind of gonna... did this in DI with, uh, there's a grade 2 promo that just gets uh, 1k for every card in soul all the time. And mm. there have been people who use uh, No Life King, and then they ride that promo afterward. And then now that it, you have a bunch mm. of souls, so it's like 27k base. Beat that. That kind of thing. Gross. Yeah. So I, I kind of legitimately think, um, this is actually going more back to the positive part. I legitimately think a broken heart-like effect, or like, you know, a Shamseal-like effect, or is that her name? The, the old original grade 3 for Angel Feather? I think that would actually do a decent job maybe slowing down the meta, because, like, uh, it makes it harder to attack every time you successfully attack. Uh, maybe, just food for thought. And that's kind of like, you know, Shiryuki's effect. It makes it harder to attack in general, mm-hmm. or hit your hit the right numbers. Yeah. So. Okay, what about uh, for Force? How can we make Force better against Excel? Because we've been talking a lot about Protect and making that better against Excel. Um, not sure. <laughs> like, the higher power base of Force does something to it. I feel like that contributes to Force's consistent presence. I, I guess the main thing is just advantage. Like, a lot of the weaker Force decks right now just don't draw enough cards. Mm, okay. Yeah. That, that seems like the best way to do it, is just give them more card advantage. Because, mm-hmm. uh, just... Yeah, like you said, naturally bigger, so. I mean, at some point, they're going to have to power creep out the Smurkomo stuff anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that will happen. Oh, God. It will, it will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it will happen whether they hit Markumo or not. That's the yeah. thing That's the thing with yeah. uh, trying to balance, is that balance lasts for a month at most. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, because after you do that, then another set comes out and it changes everything up. It's mm-hmm. this game is basically a continuous game of blackjack on a month long scale. Well, that's what like negative balance is for, or banning cards. It's supposed to reset power creep, unless you're yeah. Yu Gi Oh and you ban like decks that don't matter. <laughs> I mean, it's it, most of the w- the way they're going to deal with stuff is through positive balancing, than yeah. negative but, or mm-hmm. neutral or neutral. Yeah. Positive balance doesn't fix power creep. Uh, yeah. Banning or format changing can cha- can actually like actually reset power creep yeah uh, but as we see from like Yu-Gi-Oh, uh depending how on how they ban things it might not do much at all like it's only a temporary band-aid yeah i mean last time we saw a meta like this where every deck could gain advantage and made medium-sized columns with a moderate amount of attacks they fixed it by just rebooting the fucking game that'll do it yeah well, G-Guards, too, because back then it was, like, medium power sitting for quite a bit, like, uh, like the older, ver- the early versions of Harry, uh, but mm-hmm. then G-Guards just kind of, like, shut that down. Yeah, and then, like, the response to early G-Guards was things like, actually, no, Gears and Angels and uh, Grand Blue kind of start, well, Gears, at least, kind of started rising up before G-Guards, and then... After G Guards, we started getting Grand Blue just because they had good support. Man, Angels dead. Yeah, G Guards were like I think like G Guards also like given out in the weirdest fucking way where everyone got one, but like they were like really high uh, like difference. Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. Murkumos was trash. What was what was their original one? Murkumos. Yeah. Uh, let, let me make sure I get this right because it was. I think it was, if you have a grade 1 or 2 rear guard, it gets 5k, or some nonsense. It was, it was, let let me just double check, because it was horrendous. I mean, some of them were like, alright, Neonectar, I'm going to call a thing from hand, and it gets resist. I've actually tried to remember the name of this thing, Hogan Wing, I think that was it? I think so. Uh, no, that wasn't it. Wait, where was this? Yeah, it was. Uh, so it was, when placed on guard circle, choose up to one gr- of your grade one or greater rear guards. Search your deck to the one card of the same name as that unit, call it to guard circle, then shuffle your deck. And then uh, when it's, and the, the unit the, the unit goes to the bottom of the deck after the battle. Weird. So it required you to have something on board, which was weird. Yeah. And it had to be mm-hmm. a grade one. Or greater. Yeah. And it had to be a rear guard. And so you just, would just call 
the heel trigger because it was better than actually using the G-Guard. And the G-Guard was just so whatever. And then you look at shit like Gear Chronicles G-Guard in the same set, and you were like, the fucking put a normal unit and a trigger unit back in your deck. And you're mm-hmm. like, what? It was just so bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Like, this and then, always works. And then they got to the point where, like, they would give G-Guards different shield values. Like, some of them just became a 36k shield, and others would do the most random bullshit that didn't matter. Alright, I'm gonna shuffle this back and make your thing go back in deck, and then you call the top card. Mm-hmm. Because plot. <laughs> yeah. Just so dumb. Or Denial Griffin. <laughs> the best. Edelfeather's got a pretty good one. Denial uh, Griffin pretty... never really felt bad, though. It just kind of made sense. Yeah. And it was something you had to play around. Yep. Like, but this is kind of commenting on, like, how unbalanced some of the G-Guard support was. Like, some clans just did not get a 36k shield for a really long time. Or yep. Markumo, basically ever. <laughs> or when it did, you had to turn another G-Guard face up. Well, not only that, it was GB1, and you had a counterblast. Yeah. Meanwhile, and then you had things like Impede. Or Ellie. Yeah, Ellie is ridiculous. Fuck Ellie. Ellie is is one of the things that made me lose in the premium regionals last year. Oh, did they guard your your Noah whatever because Ellie's dumb? My Noah Rhino, yeah. He had three heals, and he just called three Ellie's from (laughs) G-Zone. Oh, here's here's a guard for 170k. Nice, nice Noah idiot. And then and then it went, and then they went back face down. I was like, really? Come on. Well, I'm glad that fucking thing's banned. Dickhole. Yeah. All right. Um. So, any any other things we want to add before I get into my little spiel here at the end? Uh. I'm interested to see where everything starts going from here, but I do think uh, Murakumo is the yeah. best deck at the current moment. But. I do think that other decks are, like, pretty fun to play if you're not, like, playing super seriously. Mm-hmm. But if I'm playing to win, I'm going to play Markumo, probably. Yeah, makes sense. Although it seems like with the start of the Shin series, we're kind of going back to that horizontal creep where I don't think that any of the new support we've seen so far really brings the decks, the clan supported up any significant level. And you might argue regress in the case of Angel Feathers. But, like, uh, God Hand, it's... Like it seems like the consensus, like God Hand is pretty he high rolly. It doesn't seem explicitly better than the existing stuff. Genesis is kind of an unknown, but it's also a very straightforward beat deck. Uh, I have no Nubatama is another kind of unknown. It hasn't done a lot, but again, uh, the uh, there's been a lot of weather issues in that region, and but it's, mm-hmm. I think a lot of tournaments started to come out. I've not seen a lot of new Batama yet. People are still playing a lot of Exile Clans as of now, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see if anything pops up. Yeah, so but cool. I mean, by the by the time the episode comes out, we'll probably have enough results for it to matter. But uh, you're in the future, and we're not, so we hope um, we, we hope it worked out for them. I have like maybe one topic to just talk about briefly, maybe. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, go for it. Because, like, the ultimate way to solve power creep is to just reset the game. How would you feel about resetting the game? And maybe Please, like, no. It's I too early for the It's been yeah. a year. <laughs> like, two years. Yeah, but we're only getting into... We're only starting to, like, wrap up the second year of Vanguard. Like, G-Era, how long did G-Era last? Like, three or four years? Um... Let's see, Generation... But they also didn't reset the game there, so... Yeah. Yeah. Generation Stride came out. Oh my god. Hooray for terrible internet. Um, I, I'm actually surprised week after week that we're able to record this episode with er, episodes <laughs> with relatively little interference because I looked up the upload speed and it is like just laughable. Um, and that's why we keep like missing episodes where I'm like, technical difficulties, guys. All right. Uh, Generation Stride, the first Jira set, came out in December fifteenth, tw- or December fifth, twenty fourteen, in Japan, and March thirteenth, twenty fifteen, in English. So late twenty fourteen, early twenty fifteen, and then and when did the reboot happen? Uh, let's see here. VBT one 
was Unite Team Q4 came out in I'm running out of words to say while I wait for the page <laughs> to load <laughs> Boots and Cats and uh things and stuff. There we go. Uh, June or May 25th, 2018 for Japan and June 22nd, 2018 for England. Yeah, so we're so, only a year and... year and a half in, give or yeah, take. into V-Era. And we have to consider, like, G-Era wasn't really a reboot of the game. We still had support... access to all the support prior to it. All oh, of I their know. mechanics, and they have brought those mechanics back in G-Era. Oh, I know, but, like, back in the day... The cards they created were jank. We're not getting jank cards anymore. Like, the quality overall mm. is just better. Like, some yeah. cards right now in Sanit are comparable to G-Era cards. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but Also, I feel like that's going to be a problem for just the health of the game overall, is if we are constantly having to reboot the game. Well, that's going to yeah. be a problem where, like, yeah. existing players are going to feel like their cards are being devalued, and then... New players are gonna have to have a hard are gonna have a hard time getting into it because we're gonna have like three or four different generations of Vanguard and people have no idea what's going on with it. And so here's uh, the problem, right? If you're gonna have rotation, you have to be upfront about when the rotations are gonna exactly. happen and what sets are being rotated. You can't <laughs> just like rotate whenever you feel like it. That's yeah. dumb. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I I don't even call this rotation. This is not even rotation. Yeah. When people were saying, "Oh, Vanguard's in rotation," I'm like. No, they're just resetting the format. Mm-hmm. Well, one problem about having both formats going on at the same time is that one there is a clear favor of one over the other. And like nobody really plays premium because uh, either the older players think it's too broken because, you know, all this stuff. And then the newer, newer players aren't going to get into it because there's already a perfectly good format right here. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at least there's a place for these cards. What? At least there's like a place for the cards that end up getting rotated out. Yeah, that's or true. Getting set yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I I just I'm against it. All right. It's so... kind of like. Oh, yeah. No. Um. So like. Yeah, I just think like you know, I thought the power level was like okay. It was before, especially like when like it was like at the height of the protect meta. It definitely felt like there was a lot of place for the game to grow in terms of power creep. Mm-hmm. But then Bermuda came out and just like slashed that like three fourths the way, and then uh, the Excel meta came out and slashed that even further. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know how much further the game can grow in terms of power creep. Yeah, I feel like they made the same mistake they made in G era, where they just suddenly ramped things up so fast. Right. I think and- like the best thing they can do is probably a mechanics change. Hmm. Yeah, probably. And I have no idea what that's going to be, but I hope it's not offensive. Yeah, and, like, I hope it doesn't come too late like it did with Stride Era, where we can finally get around grade locking after G-Era died. I'm not even sure that was a good thing, but that's Mm. a different discussion. What, for them to change the rules on Stride? Yeah, I'm not even sure how they changed the rules. I'm, I'm not even sure... The change rules on stride, stride were a net positive. What were the changes? Because I I didn't play at that time. So now, if you start your turn at grade three, uh, if you don't, you can stride. But oh. what that also means, if Gold Paladin cheats up, they can stride when you're on grade two or whatever. Or, yeah, or grade one even because of Spearax. Oh yeah, if you get if you get real screwed, you can they can stride on you at grade one. Yeah, or just if they go first. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, real screwed. Yep. Pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Like, yeah. It's like- not great. Yeah. Alright. Well, that about does it for this episode of Nexus at Night. Except, before you go, I wanted to plug a thing. So, uh, over the last few weeks, I have been uh, recording a brand new podcast with my uh, friend and uh, fellow comedian and impressionist, he does voices, Nick Kane. And the name of this podcast is called Bad Reading, where we... Find somebody who is a huge fan of a muck, uh, muck, a book, movie, or TV show, uh, or anything else. Then we go and find the shittiest fan fiction for that property we can find. 
bring them in, and read it to them. We're going to be doing this uh, podcast as long as uh, we feel like it, and eventually we will have both Root Beer and Matt on as guests, and I think you should go check it out if you've been enjoying this podcast, because everybody likes having their favorite thing destroyed. Isn't that fun? Um, I, <laughs> it will be coming out November 22nd, so when this episode comes out, it'll be two days later. I will put the link to uh, the podcast in the show notes of this episode, and it will be live on November 22nd. It'll be coming out every Friday thereafter. Uh, I appreciate everybody for listening both to this podcast, and hopefully if you guys uh, want to go check out Bad Reading, I really hope you do, and I uh, thank you for your listenership. So, hooray, bad reading. Guys, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at Wiggums, 2Gs, 2Zs. You can find me at Plasma Eclipse. You can find me by asking these people to tell me stuff. And then you can, you can find me personally at Atlas Novak on Twitter or Instagram. You can also find my other podcast uh, at Bad Reading Pod on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere you get your podcasts, and you can find this show personally at Nexus at Night on Twitter, Instagram, or the Nexus Core YouTube channel. After four hours, we recorded four episodes. We did it. I'm Atlas. <laughs> I'm Matt. Kill me. <laughs> I'm James. And have a good night, everybody.